0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries.
1: I did an internship during my training in a domestic violence sexual assault agency. And my very, very first client ever came to me after a night of being held captive by her husband. So, I'm pretty familiar with abusive relationships. And I have never seen a physically abusive relationship where there has not also been emotional abuse. But quite often, emotional abuse exists with no actual physical abuse. And A big question that many individuals face is whether their relationship has crossed the line from just a bad one to an abusive one. And unfortunately, words like abuse and narcissist get thrown around a lot these days. And relationships actually suffer because of it. So to help unpack this challenging differentiation, I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Stosny. He's a fellow relationship therapist, and he's the author of Empowered Love, Use your brain to be your best self and create your ideal relationship. So, Dr. Stosny, thank you so much for coming back on the show and talking about what is really a confusing and difficult topic.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. So,
1: um, in a recent piece that appeared on psychologytoday.com called The True Standard for Love Relationships, you suggest that there's a false Standard for love relationships, so what do you mean? Can you elaborate
0: well it 's just what you uh, said in the intro uh, w- there 's so much written about abuse, and you know and I confess I was one of the early writers about it, and i 've written a great deal about it myself, uh, but it 's become such a, an overused word that the standard of a relationship has become whether or not it's abusive and that's a false standard because there's a no, no nobody gets falls in love with fantasies of just not being abused <laughs> you fall in love with fantasies of being loved being cared for compassion and kindness and of giving those things So when you make the transition into arguing about whether the relationship is abusive, it obscures the real harm, which is loss of compassion and kindness. If the relationship has compassion and kindness, it can't be abusive. And. So that uh, what you want to focus on is how to make it more compassionate and kind, not argue about the neg. What's become a negative label. In fact, you can use those words almost as slurs, and I've heard them used as slurs. You're an abuser. You know, you're a narcissist. You're a borderline. People call. They're calling each other names. That's really all. Right. It is. <laughs> <sighs>
1: well, and you know, and and. I, and, and I've had people ask me, and, um, and or I've looked at it myself, and, and it's, you know, what is the difference between a, a relationship that feels bad or that's not what you want it to be and an abusive relationship? And there are actually some terms for that, but I agree. I mean, especially now, you know, the term narcissist is thrown around like, like if you like if you want anything for yourself, you're automatically a narcissist. It's like, no. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, I think most of us want things the way we want them and if we can get them set up that way, we're okay. But it's being aware of our impact on other people. And so I, I think it is really easy to throw to, to put out labels. I mean, when I worked in um in this agency, I actually worked with a family and And the man was quite um, defensive about being called an abuser, even though he could acknowledge that he had hit his children and hit his wife. But but once that label got stuck on it, it became really hard to reach him. And I think that may be a little bit of the problem of throwing around these labels, is that you kind of cut off effective, productive conversation, don't you?
0: Oh, Absolutely. My approach of dealing with abusive behavior, and and I should say I don't personally treat domestic violence anymore. I started my career doing that, but I found that if you can stop emotional abuse, uh, it doesn't turn into domestic violence because it almost Mm -hmm. is always preceded by emotional abuse. So I, Mm -hmm. I focus on that now. But when you argue about whether or not a behavior is abusive, you're losing the real point that it hurts. It doesn't matter what you call it. It hurts. So you get into this pointless argument. And in trying to reach people who are uh, abusive, you can't confront them with your superior values. You have to appeal to their own deeper values. And in their heart, no one really wants to hurt somebody they love. And that's what you do, are you being the partner and person you most wanna be. It's your values not mine. Uh, and then I'm just gonna help you be the kind of person and partner you wanna be. And that's well, and, not gonna be abusive.
1: Well and you know, and there really is a distinction and, and I you know, and, and I started the same place you did, started working with this and I no longer as well work directly uh, with the medicine violence because, like you, I'm trying to keep it from getting there because by the time it gets there, lots of different problems crop up. And, uh, and a lot and of I harm's
0: think, already been done before it gets oh, to violence.
1: <laughs> ab- absolutely. And, you know, I mean, and I've actually, I've actually had people say to me, you know, well, at least my partner doesn't hit me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that's your standard. Which I mean, yes, that's a good yeah. standard to have. We don't want our partners to hit us, but we also don't want to settle for less than compassionate behavior. And I know that this creates a lot of um, uh, questioning and a lot of, you know, what is that line? So So can we talk about, can you explain what a truly abusive relationship looks like? Both, I mean, I, I, I can think tell you
0: what I can tell you what it feels like, which is really more okay. important. You're hurt, and your partner doesn't care. So that's okay. what it feels like. They're they're either trying to hurt you more when you show that you're hurt, or they just don't care. They stonewall it. That's what it feels like. Now, whether or not you know, there's a legal definition of abuse. It's very difficult mm-hmm. with emotional abuse because you don't have a battery. Uh, uh, And it's contextually dependent. You know, some things are abusive in some certain contexts that would not be in others. Like if you have a family of yellers, uh, mm-hmm. and, and nobody's really hurt by the yelling, that's not abusive. But if you get someone who's very sensitive and you're yelling at them, that is abusive. So it's very context dependent, depending on the sensibilities of the parties involved. So that gets very murky when you try to go online and look for a definition <laughs> of what abuse is. But the, I, I think that whole line of thinking is pointless because all that matters. Is that it hurts Mm -hmm. so when they argue about you know whether or not it's abusive uh, what they're missing you know one party saying well you're too sensitive and the other saying you're too insensitive Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's like the toddler argument one of you (laughs) says it takes one to know one and you you never get anywhere and also what what I've learned you know I've been doing this for like 35 years uh, what I, I started with domestic violence, in fact, we started, first group I did was in a prison. <laughs> These were mm. severely domestic violence offenders. And this was back mm-hmm. before the domestic violence laws really changed. You had to have, almost kill someone to be arrested in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God that's changed. But
1: Yes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we you worked
0: hard on. to change it. Yes, but we have. But the... Uh, I, I, at first, I found it was emotional abuse leads to that, and then resentment leads to emotional abuse. And what leads to resentment is failure of compassion. <laughs> you don't have to really do anything wrong, just not be compassionate, and your partner's going to get resentful or your children. And that's because we don't form emotional bonds without a perception that the person you're bonding with is going to care how you feel, especially when you feel bad. So failure of compassion feels like abuse. As soon as compassion declines in a relationship, resentment starts going up. And if the resentment isn't punctuated by compassion, it turns bitter, it turns cold, it turns into some form of emotional abuse. And only about 30% of the time does that then go into domestic violence but the emotional abuse itself is hurtful. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of victims of domestic violence in an early part of my career, and almost universally they say that the emotional abuse is worse. That's the experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: the experience I had, too. They would actually say I would rather be hit because those bruises heal. And, I mean, when I first heard that, it really shook me to the core. But it really talks about how impactful and damaging this lack of compassion, lack of connection in what is supposed to be a loving relationship truly, truly is.
0: Yeah, and people don't understand how important. Compassion is the lifeblood of a relationship. It's really more important than love you can have a, a, a decent relationship with low love and a high compassion and you can have a hellish relationship with high love and low compassion because a love without compassion becomes possessive controlling and dangerous,
1: which is almost the definition of abusive as well, <laughs> you know, so, you know, and this is, this is such a, a hard topic because you were, you mentioned before, and as you were saying this, I'm thinking, you know, this is what people grew up with. You're talking about, you know, a family that yells and nobody's really hurt by it because that's kind of their norm and or there may actually be compassion that kind of goes along with the yelling. I don't necessarily mean simultaneously, but, but both are happening, so there's kind of a counterbalance. But when
0: that well, person, the yelling is the yelling isn't designed to hurt. It's uh, right. uh, they're not deliberately trying to devalue and demean. But if that yeller marries someone who is more sensitive, then they are going to be hurt by it, even though they're not. Mean. Their central nervous system isn't going to tolerate that level of intensity as well.
1: And you know, and that's and that's an interesting thing because you know when you were talking about somebody being too sensitive or too insensitive. I tell my clients that anytime that word too shows up, the T-O-O, yeah, that's, that's right. it's, it's a judgment. It's, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you're too needy, you're too sensitive, you're too whatever. And it's like, okay, now, now look, there's a judgment attached to that, which again, isn't helpful.
0: Well, it's putting the problem in the partner rather than in the interaction. So you you can change the interaction. You can't change the partner. My example of that is my wife has very sensitive skin, and very soft mm-hmm. skin. I love to to rub my face on her skin. But I have a, a heavy beard, and I can't do mm. that unless I shave. So I have to, you know, like when I come home, I have a heavy beard, so at the end of the day, it looks like I didn't shave. I have to go in the bathroom to do a couple of strokes on my face before I can rub her cheek. Right. It's only one side; she doesn't care if it's symmetrical or not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't
1: care of that this morning, right? But,
0: now, now I could say that she's too sensitive, and she can say that my beard's too rough, and we never connect. Mm-hmm. But we have to figure out a way for those sensitivities to fit together. I don't want her to be hurt, and she doesn't want right. me not to feel connected. So that's the easiest thing, way to do it. A couple of strokes well, with a razor. Yeah, so the, the challenge is to fit the sensitivities together, not criticize someone because of the difference in sensitivities.
1: Well, I love that. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with author and fellow relationship therapist, Dr. Stephen Stosny, about what the true standard for love relationships should be. And if you are in a satisfying relationship, please know that you're not alone. But how you think about it matters. And if you would like to determine if it can be better, I can help. So please get in touch with me and take advantage of your free Create Your Heavily Ever After strategy session. You can reach me by email at Leslie L E S L I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F O U N D A T I O N S coaching N is in Nancy C is in Charlie dot com. Or you can give me a call at area code nine one nine nine two four zero four six three. Again, that's area code nine one nine. 9240463. I want to get back to this really important conversation about what's abusive relationships, what's just not good relationships, what the solution is to either and or both. And so we were talking a little bit um, ago about couples getting caught in labeling undesired behavior as either abuse, narcissism, borderline personality, whatever that is. And we've been talking a little bit about why that's a problem, um, and so I want to go into that a little bit more with you, Dr. Sosny, about why does, why does this matter? I mean, I, I, I know that the way in which we think about things really influences our own interpretation and our own behavior. Is that kind of an accurate assessment?
0: Uh, well, of course, the way we think about things influences behavior, and the way we label things influences the way that we think about them so that 's what 's wrong with these negative labels it it 's really like say you don 't say to a child you 're a bad boy or a bad girl. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what do bad boys do? For one thing, they do bad things. Uh, uh-huh. y- you focus on the behavior that you want to change, not on the label. So when you're labeling someone as narcissistic, uh, you know, the irony about that is usually when you say someone is selfish or narcissistic, what you really mean is they're not meeting your selfish needs at that moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that what your needs are are unreasonable (laughs) or whatever. It just is kind of like, wait a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, then you're going to go into a discussion of what is narcissism. Uh, You know, a big part of narcissism is manipulation, and when you label someone that way, you're trying to manipulate them, (laughs) so... It becomes, you become the very thing you're you're, uh, despising when you use those labels. Uh, But the real harm is that they they take the focus away from what is the lifeblood of the relationship, and that's compassion and kindness. So you don't form an emotional bond with someone unless you believe that they care about how you feel. Uh, my example of that is think of when you were falling in love with whoever you, it was you fell in love with, uh, mm-hmm. and God forbid you had to call them then with bad news like my mother passed away last night, and I know that's mm-hmm. especially meaningful to you. If your prospective partner had responded with, "Well, tough, call me when you get over it. I just want a few laughs here," <laughs> would you <laughs> would you would you have fallen in love with them? No, of course not. You'll only fall in love with someone who cares about how you feel. You might, you might be mistaken about that, but you'll have a perception mm-hmm. that they care about how you feel, especially when you feel bad. You know, mm-hmm. even newborns who are attachment machines, you know, your drive to form emotional bonds is never as strong in your entire life as it's the first six months of life. Uh, even they won't bond with you if you don't, care about, if you don't answer their cries with, with sympathy. If, when uh-huh. they get distressed, if you don't comfort them, they won't bond with you. And they stop crying, because the crying is to well, elicit yeah. the caring behavior. So if it's not doing that, they give up. So uh, that's necessary in the formation of emotional bonds. And mostly what people fight about. Is not money, sex, jealousy, raising kids. is all division of labor. Those are what research, the people tell researchers they they fight about. It's mm-hmm. really the belief your partner doesn't care how you feel. That's what gets well, that, you so so upset.
1: Right, and and so is is can you can you define compassion? I think people have a general idea of what kindness is. I would hope, but when you talk about compassion and that being the critical component for love relationships, what does, is that that more of a feeling or is that an action or is it both?
0: It's both. It's sympathy for the hurt, distress, inconvenience, hardship. Of another with a motivation to help, so it's not just feeling sorry for them. You're motivated to try to help, uh, and self-compassion is important too. When you're you're mm-hmm. in pain or suffering or in uh, hardship, you're mo- you're sympathetic towards it. You're not criticizing yourself for being that way, and you're motivated to improve. Kindness is about more about happiness than suffering, so it's. Caring about someone being well, being healthy, being mm-hmm. happy, so your behavior is to facilitate them being well, happy uh, and and healthy, and they're both okay. actually necessary for relationships. see what you fight about failure of compassion because you formed your bond be. uh, at least in the assumption that there would be compassion so failure of compassion feels like betrayal it feels like you got me to fall in love with you by making me believe you would care how I feel and now you don't that's why it's so important and all resentment um, oh I won't say all that's that's an overstatement but a lot of resentment comes from just failure of compassion and here's the irony. When you are resentful or when you're calling someone abusive or narcissistic okay. or borderline or too sensitive to anything, mm-hmm. uh, you're doing that because you feel that they don't really get how you feel or care about how you feel. But the irony is at that moment you don't care how they feel. <laughs> mm.
1: that's, a, that's, so, that's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, so what you're saying is, uh, I don't care how you feel, but you absolutely must care how I feel.
1: <laughs>
0: there's no planet where that's going to work.
1: Well, and, and you know, and and that's the thing that I think gets a lot of people into trouble, and, and it's where I tend to put my focus, is that relationships are reciprocal. And what, you know, there's, you know, what we each put into it is going to, somewhat determine what we get out of it. And, and this is, you know, and, and resentment, of course, to me is, is the, you know, is the killer of relationships. But people, but people get resentful and they suffer in silence and they think their partner should know and on and on. It's like, oh, it makes me crazy sometimes. And when, when a simple just doing a kind and compassionate act for your partner can completely change the dynamic, but people go, well, why should I have to do that? They're doing, you know, they're not doing it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, why well, the, I always answer that when they say, why should I have to do this? Cause, because you want a better life. Right. <laughs> if you don't want a better life, then don't do it. Well, <laughs> and right. That's and sort that's, of, you know, you're de- if you complain to your dentist about having to floss it, after every meal, he'll tell you, he'll just floss the teeth you want to keep. <laughs> it's well, very much the same thing. <laughs> just well, be kind it, and compassionate if you want a better life.
1: And Because, I mean, in actuality, and I think the truth of it is, is that when we are kind and compassionate, we feel better about ourselves.
0: Uh, absolutely. That's what, I, that, that's what I always try to give it, get to clients. You, do you like yourself better being resentful to someone you love or being compassionate to someone you love? And I ask them to think about each when you've been resentful and when you've been compassionate. And, it, you know, it's a no-brainer. You always feel better about yourself when you're compassionate, even if your partner's not receptive to it. Be- you will feel better about yourself. I mean, it's better if your partner is, but the cake is the compassion. The frosting is the reaction.
1: Well, and Uh, and what I think people don't understand is that if there's been a breach in the relationship and one of you adopts this idea of saying, okay, I get it, Dr. Stassi. I get it that, that being kind and compassionate makes me feel better, so I'm now going to do that. And I start doing that, and my partner doesn't immediately respond to me. It's like I throw up my hands and go, it doesn't work. But there's always a lag time between me doing a new behavior and my partner not just recognizing that it's happening, but accepting that it's real.
0: Yeah, well, that's so right. Because mo- most interactions in in uh, family relationships are habituated, and mm-hmm. habits uh, take a while to change. You need a rep- repetition of the new behavior a certain amount of times. around 800 times usually oh, to wow, really form really? a new habit. <laughs> you, you know the example of that. If you go into a room and switch on the light, uh, and it's still dark because the light bulb's blown. Your immediate reaction is to flip it again faster, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> even though you know that that's, it's because your brain's identified flipping the switch with light coming on. So it'll keep doing that even, until eventually it figures out that it, that's not going to help. But the habit will kick in before the prefrontal cortex figures out what's wrong. <laughs> And that's the way it is with new behaviors and relationships. They take a while before they have the desired effect. But the most desired effect is you like yourself better. Mm -hmm. that's uh, what I say the clients is that's your central nervous system trying to communicate with you the only way it really can is to make you feel good about yourself or to make you feel bad about yourself (laughs) that's the only way it can communicate with you and it does that very well (laughs) it's very clear so you got to listen to it It, it, you always choose the behavior that's going to make you feel better about yourself not whether you're going to feel right or justified, but whether you're going to feel better about mm-hmm. yourself. And if you really so, do that, you'll be more compassionate and kind.
1: Well, okay, but, but that sort of presents to me as somewhat of a dilemma, even though intellectually and I, I, I get it. But, and, and maybe it has to do with this idea that we give over how we feel to our partners um because it's like if if i if the relationship makes me feel bad then by what you're saying there's this almost automatic okay let me pull away from the relationship because that will make me feel better sort of it just makes me not hurt as much maybe you know so that's so stopping the pain is Is what I want to do, but then how do how does somebody switch gears into then changing it and saying no no no, I've got to stay more engaged. I've got to meet. I've got to meet what I'm seeing as pain with compassion.
0: How does that work? Well, the, the the way I have it work, I I work with clients to build what we call their core value. That's fidelity. Mm-hmm. What your d- deepest values are, and I tell them develop that and then follow it. When as you, what that means is that you value your experience of being alive better more and you want to have more valuable experiences of being alive and as you do that you will automatically gravitate toward what builds the value of your life and and away from what lowers it now when both partners do that they have a much better relationship but if only one of them does it they're just going to automatically drift apart
1: right (laughs) so that's what i tell them yeah and so don't make the judgment
0: about the I'm sorry. Don't make the judgment oh, about the relationship until you develop your core value.
1: And, and I like that because, because, you know, that's, that's the other question that I get asked all the time is, is how do you know when it's, when it's just not going to work? And part of that, what I tell my clients is you do everything that you know how to do that, that in the perfect world makes relationships better. And, then see what happens on the on the part of your partner, because there are some people, and you know, who who don't know how to be compassionate or choose not to be compassionate. And yeah,
0: and there are try- some people who will construe compassion as pity, and right. be offended by it. You're looking down on them. So the difference between pity and compassion is pity is hierarchical. You know, God pities us; we pity the poor and downtrodden. Where compassion is equal, we're equal human beings, and we're both frail human beings. Uh, so, if, you're pers- if you don't, f- if you really feel bad about yourself, uh, it can. Um, actually be hurtful to somebody's compassion to you because you think you don't deserve it or you think they have some mm-hmm. ulterior motive. Uh, and you can't control that. The only thing you can control no. is being true to your own deeper values. The other person has to control how they receive it.
1: Right. And that's, and, and that's also a critical component of relationship. And, and, you know, being, being the best you, you that you can be is always going to be a determiner of what kind of relationship you're going to have because you know and then and then the other person's going to give you in, information that's going to tell you whether or not this is a relationship that is one that you want to stay in um
0: that, that's right so, whether it's going to do more harm than good
1: and you know and even and even though i mean we are both relationship therapists this is what we do there are times when when the relationship appropriately needs to come to an end but but again usually after a whole bunch of stuff is tried not just i'm hurting i'm resentful i need to get out the, taking the step and learning to be you know learning to develop compassion and kindness can really do a lot for a relationship
0: well it'll heal it's the healing emotion that'll heal you personally whether it repairs the relationship depends on both of you doing it but you have to be compassionate for your own personal healing, whether you stay in it or not. Mm-hmm. If you leave a re- relationship out of resentment, you're going to take it with you. It's inside of you; oh. it goes wherever you go.
1: And, and and it's quite it is quite capable of polluting the next relationship. So yeah, I agree. Let's you know, like mm-hmm. let's, let's let's get everybody healed, and then we can then we can start you know having better relationships. Right. Well, Dr. Dr. Stasi, I want to really thank you so much for your time and for this information. And can you please tell the listeners where they can learn more?
0: Our website is compassionpower.com, and there's there's a lot of free information on there and a lot of about uh, emotional abuse, walking on eggshells, and about how to empower a marriage that, that isn't abusive. Because it really, you, you know, what. what kind of blew my mind is when I found that it's really the same thing. If you increase compassion, any relationship will be better, and they can't be abusive. So that's why I moved away from focusing exclusively on abuse to focus mm-hmm. on more on compassion and kindness. Okay.
1: Well, and, and that's a really important thing, because every relationship has ups and downs, and when you're in a low period and you're hurt by your partner, it feels awful the goal is to make it better not attach an unproductive label to it and the path to a better relationship as we've been talking about is consistent compassionate compassion and kindness so hopefully you'll be able to develop that and hopefully you'll also keep listening to the show and so until next week stay loving